If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you take them please and turn to the book of Acts, the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. And I hope that as you came in this morning, you received a bulletin. It will help you to keep up uh, with a message which is entitled, A Farewell to Friends. And it is based on Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. And uh, I was told that uh, this being my last sermon that I could preach as long as I wanted to. That's a dangerous thing to say to a preacher, that you just have all the time that you want. Uh, it reminds me of the pastor who did go a little long in his sermons, and he asked his friend, did, uh, uh, did I preach too long? And he said, uh, no, you didn't preach too long, but you talked too long after you stopped preaching. So I remember a young man that was courting a preacher's daughter and, and he said, I like your dad's preaching better than the previous pastor's preaching. And she said, well, why is that? And he said, well, the former pastor used to say, and lastly, and he just last and last and last. But when your dad says in conclusion, then he concludes. <laughs> so maybe somewhere along the line, uh, I'll be able to uh, find somewhere to conclude, okay? Reminded of the pastor who wasn't having a very good relationship with his congregation, and uh, so the Lord made it possible for him to move to a new church as pastor. And he got up to resign, and he said, uh, the Lord has led me here, and the Lord is leading me away. And the minister of music got up and said, all stand and sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm least glad when I did announce my retirement that everybody said, oh no, instead of oh boy. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, Ephesus, and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I sat foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage, uh, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. When he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they were accompanying him to the ship. Saying goodbye is never an easy thing to do. During such times, a lot of uh, memories pass in review, often discussed through the roller coaster of emotions. Tears mixed with laughter, agony, joy, ecstasy. And so it was with the Apostle Paul when he was on his way uh, to Jerusalem that he stopped by and visited with the elders of the church at Ephesus. Now the word elder there, uh, it's uh, also used in some places as translated bishop, some as pastor. Uh, in our day and time, there have been those who have said that the word elder stands for another office in the church, but I am of the traditional uh, conviction that it's all the same person, a pastor, an elder, an overseer, someone who's responsible for the flock that has been entrusted to him to watch over them, to protect them, to guide them in the ways of the Lord and to see to it that nobody tampers with them. So we preachers sometimes can be very jealous of someone coming in and trying to steal the sheep away from the flock. And so this was the apostle Paul and so he called the elders of the church at Ephesus, the pastors and the leaders, the associate pastors and all that were there, and talked with them and shared with them the convictions of his heart and then knelt and had prayer with them. So Paul had some very close friends there. You know, I guess if there's any one thing that I would like to be remembered for, it would be my faithfulness to the Lord. And I know that there have been many times in my life, some of which you're not aware of at all, because I've been preaching for 54 years and being a pastor of a church for 51. And so I'm not a perfect person. I'm human, just like all the rest of you. And there are times in my life that I've fallen and failed and failed to fulfill many of the things that God wanted of me and expected of me. And I'm sure that he understands when he called me, God, for some wild reason chooses to do and accomplish his will by choosing people who are weak, people like you and people like me in order to accomplish his purpose in life. But I would hope that someday that the Lord would say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and I will make you responsible for many other things. I don't know all that that means, but I can't wait to get to heaven to see exactly what God has in store for me based on the faithfulness that I've been, not just to here, but throughout my life and throughout my ministry as well. And just like you, God will reward you for your faithfulness to him. And so I hope that I have been that way to him and to his calling on my life. I've told you time and time again, ever since the Lord called me and I made public my commitment to be a pastor and a preacher, I've never desired to want to be anything else. 
that has been my whole life and I've never been disappointed. I've been to places I never would have gone to. I've met people that I would have never known. I got an education that I would never had. I've got a wife that I would never have had had God not called me because we met at East Texas Baptist College and if I had not been called to preach, I wouldn't be, would not have gone to college at East Texas Baptist in Marshall. Consequently, would have never met and would have had my children and grandchildren. Uh, so I'm a blessed man and God has been faithful and true to me and I trust that I have been faithful and true to him as well. You remember the series of sermons that I preached recently called Passing the Torch. I uh, talked about the various figures of speech that Paul mentions in 2 Timothy and one that he starts off with in chapter 2. He says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach other faithful men as well. And so Paul was faithful in sharing the gospel and passing the torch to Timothy and to other people. And likewise, Timothy and others on down the line through the generations that God has now placed it on our responsibility. As I've shared with you, I've been standing on the shoulders of the 21 predecessors, the pastors who served prior to me, preparing the way, passing the torch to me. I'm the 22nd pastor of this wonderful church. And now it's my responsibility and privilege to pass the torch on to number 23, whomever that may be. And so we we need to pray for our search committee, the pastor search committee, that God will lead them to the next person and that when that person comes, he will already sense the prayers that you've been lifting up for him. And I expect you to be as faithful in your support of him and your prayers and in your attendance and in your giving and in your serving right along beside him as you have with me. It will be a great day. I'm looking forward with great anticipation what God has in store for this wonderful church and the ministry. And as you well know, Linda and I are staying here in Nacogdoches. We're living here. This is home. And this is Nacogdoches is our adoptive home. We want to leave our membership here, but I don't want to say never because you never know what God's going to do. And it's for the first time you say, no, I'm not going to do this. The Lord said, well, I'll show you. <laughs> And, but we just need to get out of the way. And, and you know, I told you, I, I know I'm repeating myself in this introduction. And this, I'm, this is just the front porch, folks. We're, we're going to move on into the living room here in a minute, okay? And, uh, uh, but uh, I, I said, do you remember? You, you do to me what Jesus said to the disciples to do to Lazarus. Loose him and let him go. And, uh, you know, you, you just need to, we just need to loose one another. It doesn't mean I don't I, I've stop loving you. I love you. I love you so much. I love this church. I remember Dr. John Wright, remember the pastor at the, uh, uh, the church in uh, Port Arthur, First Baptist Church. I asked him on one occasion when I saw him, I said, Dr. Wright, what can you share with me that would help me to be a good pastor? He gave me four words. Just love the people. Just love the people. And that's what I've tried to do. And that, you know, walk up and down the aisles and shake hands and visit with you and share with you, visit with you in times of sorrow and grief as well as the happy times as well. I just want you to know in case you've never understood it, I do love you. I love you in the Lord and I thank God for the time that we've had together to worship together, to serve together and to honor him as well. And so we are trusting one another. Uh, I have five things that are on your outline. If you have your outline with you this morning, uh, as we think about being faithful, uh, being someone that God can trust, someone that God can depend on, someone that God can rely on, that we'll be accountable, that God is not so much interested in our ability or 
our inability, but he's interested in our availability, that he wants us to be available to him, to be used by him, and we need to be faithful. And so there are five things that come out of the passage of Scripture that I want to share with you as I bid this farewell to my dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. The first one is to stay faithful in the work. The work, look at it in verses 18 and 19 where the Apostle Paul says, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and tears and trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. In other words, uh, he was a converted Jew to Christ and uh, uh, Jews weren't happy with that and they made life difficult for him. And yet he says, you know from the day I arrived that I led you, I supported you, I served the Lord by serving you. And if there's anything that I need to say to you is that, of course, that you would continue. We're all servants of the Lord. You know, that was a favorite title that Paul used in reference to himself. He always, you, you read all of the epistles of, of Paul, and he always identifies himself as the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. A slave or a servant is an individual who has no will of his own. He's, he's yielded all of that. You know, we sometimes refer to a person who uh, accepts the call of God upon his life to be a preacher or minister of music or administrator or whatever it may be. Uh, we use the term surrender. The, uh, when did you surrender to the Lord? Well, what does that mean? Well, in the army, if you're fighting the enemy and you conquer them, what do you say? Surrender. Throw your arms down and surrender. And you throw your arms up and surrender. I surrender. Well, that's what you do when you respond to God's call. You take your hand off of your life and you just turn your life over to the Lord. You're no longer yours. You remember what Paul said? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirits which belong to him. So this body and my life does not belong to me. It belongs to Jesus Christ. I gave him my life as an eight-year-old when I was saved and I gave him my life as a 17-year-old when I responded to God's call in my life. I just raised the arms of my heart and spirit and said, Lord, I am yours. Whatever you want me to do, do it. And he has led me over these last 54 years and 51 years as a pastor and I'm so grateful that God has never taken his hand off of me and disappointed with me a lot of times. And I've fallen short of a lot of responsibilities that he's placed on my shoulders, but he's been faithful to me. And I trust that I have been faithful to him as best as I can. And so we're to be faithful in the work of the Lord, to serve the Lord. We're all servants. I'm a servant. You're a servant. And uh, you, God has placed you in this church, or if you're visiting with us today, whatever church you are in, to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you find your place and use your abilities and talents that God has given to you. And one of the things that uh, when we were going through this series of passing the torch, you remember one of the first, one of the first figures of speech was had to be, be a good workman, a good workman of the Lord Jesus Christ, rightly or accurately uh, interpreting and proclaiming the word of the Lord. To be a good workman, a good workman. We are called to work in the field of the Lord. Every year, the folks at Merriam-Webster pour over thousands of publications and all sorts of research for new words and new definitions of old words. And every year they find and include many such words. In 1982, a new word was added to the English dictionary. It was added because of the amount of usage it received in the press and in other places. And that word was couch potato. 
Merriam-Webster defines a couch potato as a person disinclined to activity or exertion, especially one who spends a great deal of time watching television. I'll wager that as soon as I said that, many of you pictured someone you know whom you consider to be a couch potato. The image in your mind probably has this individual holding a remote in his or her hand and probably having something to drink in the other hand and a bag of chips in the other and a blank stare on his face. (laughs) Now, I'm not advocating the destruction of your television set or even doing away with chips and salsa. But I do want to take note of a similar problem that we have in the church. The problem that can be summed up in a new word, pew potato. (laughs) A pew potato is a Christian who makes his way into the sanctuary at every available opportunity to sit and watch what's going on. Probably all of us have played the part of a pew potato at some point in our lives. And like the couch potato, we're disinclined to Christian activity or exertion. For many, Christianity is a spectator sport to just sit and watch what others are doing. They come and they watch what's going on, but never get involved themselves in the working of the kingdom. Let's face it, service is not a whole lot of fun. It's hard to put yourself at bay and serve other people. I mean, that's what you're here for. This is why God has left you here rather than zapping you out of this world. He's left you here to serve other people in his name. And you serve the Lord by serving others. Especially when we're talking about working in the nursery. Who wants to do that? Helping with children's church. Opening doors and greeting people. I I remember years ago before we got a, a second service. Uh, I'd go out on the parking lot before the morning service and and greet people as they got out of their cars. And a a number of you would say, what's the pastor doing out on the parking lot? Trying to set an example. (laughs) If going out on the parking lot and greeting people that are getting out of their cars and say, welcome, we're glad you're here. Where can I show you to go to? Isn't that something we all could do? You know, when I first came here, our church had a reputation. You know, churches have reputations because you and I have reputations and we make up this church. And so what people think about this church is based on the kind of person you are and the way that you behave. For some people, I'm the only church that they see. You're the only church that they see. So we're to set an example and uh, to serve other people and to be friendly. The reputation that we had, I was told was that we were about the coldest church in town. So formal. We did. I sat on the platform and had a boutonniere on my coat and we were so stiff, thought it would crack our faces if we were to smile. Aisle so cold you could slide down on an ice skate. But boy, we've changed, haven't we? (laughs) We have. I want us to be a fellowship of love and Friendship and warmth and that we greet people. You remember the first sermon that I preached for those of you who were here. One of the things that I said to you then and I still said today, I want our church to be a church that's a church of love. That no matter who you are, 
how old you are, what kind of color of the skin you have, or where you come from, what your background is, but that when you walk through the doors of this church, you would be welcomed. And we would welcome you with open arms. And we would love you no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, you would be welcomed here in the house of God. And we would say in Jesus' name, we love you. We love you. So just opening a door and greeting somebody in Jesus' name and say, welcome, we're glad you're here. Anybody can do that. But continuing talking about working, how about picking up bulletins that have dropped on the floor, teaching a Sunday school class or being involved in a ministry or helping with hope, ESL language, being a part of the bridge ministry or helping with RAs and GAs and mission friends or visiting the sick or in the nursing home. Like the couch potato suffering from ill health, the body of Christ suffers and becomes ill when we allow ourselves to become pew potatoes. Paul says, since the day I walked and set foot in Asia, I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility, with all tears, and with all trials. So just because I am retiring, that doesn't mean that you're being abandoned. We have people in our, our leaders of our church. We've got a wonderful staff. We're going to recognize them in a few moments, but we do. Bobby and Brad and and Andre and, and uh, David and Joel and Melanie and Jonathan and hope I haven't missed out, left out anybody. Uh, but th those guys are still here. They're still your leaders. They're still going to guide you. Trust them, support them, pray for them and cooperate with them. We have our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, committee members. All will continue. Nothing will stop. Your work will go on. Your prayers, your faithful attendance, your faithful giving, all of that and more is needed. So I challenge you. I encourage you to be faithful in your work for the Lord. Serve the Lord gladly. The second thing that I would say is stay faithful in the word. Notice what he says in verse 20 and in verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. And then down in verse 27, he says, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God or the whole counsel of God. Paul is talking about his preaching and his preaching of the word of God. And he in essence was saying, I didn't back off. I wasn't afraid to stand up and, and correctly and rightly divide unto you the word of God and let the chips fall wherever they may. And, and he said, I, I, didn't, I didn't keep anything from you. What I learned from the Lord, I shared with you. And week after week, day after day, getting ready to come here at a time such as this to spend hour upon hour praying and studying and writing sermons and looking for news and messages that I could share with you that would help you to grow and, and help you to face your needs and, and trust Jesus to help you with all of that. I tried to shrink not from any of that. There are two things that I want to say about the word, W-O-R-D. First of all, that Jesus is the living word. He is the living word. You know what a word is? It's the ability that we have to convey and express to one another the thoughts of the mind. You would not know what is in my mind or in my heart without my speaking words 
And the Bible tells us in the first chapter of John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in that passage of Scripture, the word Word is spelled with a capital W. And anytime you find a word in the Bible that's spelled with a capital letter, it is a reference to deity. So John was calling Jesus the Word, the living Word of God. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, you remember on another occasion, as recorded in John chapter 14, when he got ready to go and, and, uh, and Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus said, Thomas, have I been so long with you and you don't know the Father? If you look at me, I and the Father are one and the same. The writer of Hebrews says the same thing in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews where he says that Jesus Christ is the expressed image and spirit of Almighty God. Do you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know what God has to say to you? Look at Jesus. Read the Word of God and the words of Jesus that are recorded for us. You'll find out God does speak to you. You've heard me express before over there in the book of Hebrews where the writer said that, that Jesus was the expressed image and spirit of the Lord himself. You know, here in East Texas, we have an, exp uh, an expression in reference to a, a child, especially a little boy of his father. We say of the little child, he's a spitting image of his dad. Well, spitting image is slang for spirit and image. You look at that little boy, he looks just like his dad. His dad can't deny him. He belongs to him. He talks like him. He walks like him. He dresses like him. He's just a little boy. He is the spirit and image of his father. And that's what Jesus is. He is the living word. You want to know what God says? Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to how he lived and follow his example. Jesus is the living word of the living God. I remember uh, the second thing is not only the Bible being the written word, the, uh, the Jesus being the living word. The second thing is the Bible is the written word. 2 Timothy 3, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely furnished for every good work. And so this book, the Bible, is God's living word. The writer of Hebrews again talks about the word of God being powerful and, and, uh, and how convicting it can be. It's, it's, it's the living word of God. I've shared with, with you so many times about, I, you know, I never look at the scriptures and study it, but what the Holy Spirit doesn't just prick my heart and, and, and speak to my heart. This book is filled with spiritual electricity. And it will shock you if you'll read it and take it seriously and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to guide you you'll have not only the living word who is Jesus Christ, but you have the written word. Don't neglect the word of God. Stay true to the word. Stay in the word. Sunday school teachers, don't wait till Saturday night to prepare your lesson. Don't depend upon a video to do your work for you. I'm not opposed to all of that other than just say, don't let it become a substitute for you of getting into the word and studying the word, hiding it in your heart that you might not sin against God and God the Holy Spirit to enable you that when you stand before your class on Sunday morning, you are accurately dividing the word of truth to your class members. That I would do the same thing for you always and forever. God called me not to preach Alan Reed's philosophy, but to preach the word of Almighty God. 
And that's what we're supposed to do. I love this book more than life itself. And we're to do that. And Paul said, I did not shrink. I did not keep back. I declared through teaching the unsearchable riches of Almighty God. Talked, read about a young preacher who was called to a church in a college town like ours. He felt so intimidated. His father was a preacher too, and so he, 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 he talked to his dad and he said, man, I've accepted the call to that college church, but man, I'm so nervous. I feel so intimidated. I have college professors in the church. He says, I, I, I hesitate to talk about psychology because I look out and I see a professor with a PhD in psychology. I hesitate to talk about uh, genealogy because I look out and see a professor with a PhD in genealogy. And then I want to talk about some philosophy. And I look out and see a professor who has a PhD in philosophy. I said, I just feel intimidated. What, what do you suggest I do? And his dad said, why don't you tell them a little about the Bible? That's probably one thing they don't know very much about. <laughs> and I did. I felt intimidated coming here. I'd never been in such a, such a church as what, what we have had the privilege of serving in. And college professors, hey, I felt intimidated for a while till I discovered they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. And by the grace of God, I've been able to share. I love our professors and members, teachers and leaders of our church who are college professors. They love Jesus and I thank God for them. But I've tried not to shrink away from my responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth. Be against sin for water is what I'm for. Billy Sunday used to say, listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless and footless and toothless, I'll gum it till I go to home to glory and it goes home to perdition. <laughs> the first message that I preached in view of a call, this very auditorium sanctuary, was based on 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And my first point, I'm not going to give you the whole, whole sermon. My first point had to do with the message that comes from the cross, twofold message that comes from the cross, the awfulness of sin and the awesomeness of love. You look at the cross of Calvary and see how terrible, how awful sin is. Sin, and not just sin, but your sin, and 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 my sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is an ugly, terrible, terrible thing. It nailed Jesus to the cross. But the cross is also a demonstration of how much God loves you. Jesus said, God loves you this much. And he stretched his arms out upon the cross to be nailed there. And he was saying to the whole wide world, this is how much God loves you. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book that he has given wonderful things in the Bible I see. But this is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. And though I forget him and wander away, Still, he doth love me wherever I stray, and back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. Oh, if there's only one song that I shall sing when in his beauty I see the great king, 
This shall my song through eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. No greater love of the man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. So stay faithful in the work. Stay faithful in the word. Third, stay faithful in your witness. Notice that Paul says in verse 21, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Solemnly testifying means that he was seriously sharing a message with both Jews and Greeks. Didn't matter to him if he was talking to a fellow Jew or to a Greek. He was going to be a witness. You remember what our Lord said to the disciples before he ascended to the Father? All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He said, wait into the upper room until the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. A witness is somebody who just goes and shares with another person what they have experienced themselves. And that's what we are all to do. It says in the passage of scripture that Paul went publicly and from house to house. Paul went where the people were. He didn't wait for the people to come to wherever he was. Paul got out and knocked on doors. Paul went out and went from house to house. To every, there was not evidently a house in Ephesus that Paul had not been in publicly and from house to house. He went knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus, testifying to both Jews and Greeks. Paul saw a mission field in every man, woman, and child that he met, regardless of color or creed, race, or religion. Every person was someone for whom Christ had died, someone who needed to hear a word from God. And so he said, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is God reaching down to us. Faith is our reaching up to God. And they meet together and we are saved. Paul's purpose was to confront people with the claims of Christ, with a need for repentance and regeneration. It didn't matter to Paul if he was a Jew in a Jewish home or a Gentile in a Gentile home, a pious house or a pagan house. He was an ambassador for Christ to everybody. So stay faithful in the work. Stay faithful in the word and stay faithful in your witness. And then number four, stay faithful in your watch, in your watch. Notice he says in verse 28 and in verse 31, verse 28 says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. And then down in verse 31, he says, therefore be on the alert, uh, on the alert. Remember that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to uh, admonish each one of you with tears. So he says, be on your guard and be on the alert. First of all, be on guard for yourself because uh, you're, you're tempted. You, we're all tempted every day. None of us are exempt from this. And uh, Paul, uh, in his letter to the Cor uh, church at Corinth, he said, there's no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to men. And so uh, I may experience it in a little way than you do, but we, all, we are all under the bombardment of the devil. He's constantly throwing darts at us that are on fire, trying to destroy us and to hinder us from serving the Lord and and uh, James tells us in his epistle that when you're tempted, don't blame God. God doesn't tempt anybody to commit sin that comes from within you. You have a desire in your heart uh, to do evil. Somebody says every person born into this world is born with their back toward God. 
And conversion means you turn around and face God and you get saved. We're all born in sin, receive a sinful nature. Remember that passage of scripture that I shared with, with you again many times where the psalmist said that, you know, in sin did my mother, you know, conceive me. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that the sexual act between a married woman and his wife or husband is a sinful thing. No, it's a godly thing. That's the way God made us. You, you know, as hard as you want to think about it, your folks had sex, okay? Oh my goodness, my grandparents too, yeah. Your mom and dad didn't find you on aisle four down here at Walmart. They didn't find you under a rock. The stork didn't bring you. Didn't you know the stork died a long time ago? But I like what the Amplified Bible, how it renders that passage of scripture. It says, my mother who conceived me was a sinner and I am a sinner too. I received a sinful nature when I was conceived. And so when I got old enough to make a, you know, a decision, I chose to do evil because that was my sinful nature. And what happened was God changed my nature. I'm still a slave. Before I met Jesus, I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to Jesus. Slave to Jesus. I've changed masters. That's what I've done. And so we're to be faithful. The devil is going to attack and he will attack you. Not only to attack yourself personally, but on verse 28 and 39, it talks about be on guard for all the flock. For all the flock. Verse 28 says, be on guard for yourself and for all the flock. That's why as a pastor, I'm jealous of anybody tampering with my congregation and with my people. I don't want the, the, the people of other denominations knocking on your door and saying what you believe is a lie. This is the word of God. I've told you again and again, don't take me at my word. You compare what I'm saying to this word. Because this is the truth. You know, there's a difference between a shepherd and a hired hand. You remember what Jesus said over there in the 10th chapter of John's gospel? He talks about uh, the, the hired hand. He says the, the hired hand, when... When he's supposed to, he's been hired by the guy who owns the sheep to watch over the sheep and to protect them. But he's hired. He's out there only because he gets a salary. A hired hand, he says, when he sees a wolf attacking or uh, some wild animal uh, attacking, he's not going to risk his life. He runs away. But the shepherd, he loves his flock and he loves his sheep. And he's going to do whatever it takes to provide for them and do whatever it takes to protect them. So I'm not a hired hand, folks, although I get a salary and I thank you for the salary that I've gotten. It put clothes on my back and food on the table and help me raise my kids and do all those things. So I'm not saying I'm against the salary. In fact, I need to talk about it. Somebody asked me, what would we want you to do after you retire? And I said, well, keep my salary going wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, they did what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. See you later. Don't let the Lord, the door hit you, you know, or the Lord split you. But I didn't get in the ministry. You, you think crime doesn't pay, you ought to try preaching. <laughs> I didn't get in the ministry for a salary.
I did it because that's what God told me to do. <laughs> so be faithful in your work, in your word, in your witness, and in your watch. Finally, stay faithful in your walk. In your walk. The word walk in the Bible refers to the way you live, your behavior, your conduct. Verse 32, as he got ready to leave, Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus, I commend you to God. The word commend means I commit you. I turn you over to the Lord. I put you in his trust and in his care. So I commit you to God and to the work of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, Paul, you have to go to the book of Ephesians, and I'm using a verse of scripture out of Ephesians because the elders to whom he is speaking come from the church at Ephesus. And so in Ephesians, the Bible says in chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. The word imitator, of course, means to uh, copy, you know, uh, Long time ago, we used to have mimeograph machines. You ever remember the old mimeograph machines? And you'd put the, the original on the drum and you'd turn it and paper would slide through it and would produce on the paper what was on the drum, the, the original pattern. And uh, so Jesus is our pattern. Uh, in fact, over in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, if you have problems with what Paul says in Ephesians 5 about be imitators of me, Listen to what also Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And the only way that Paul could justify his saying to the people, imitate and do what I do is because he was imitating Jesus. You know, sometimes you're the only Jesus that some people ever really see and know. And people look at you and they say, well, if that's what Jesus is like, that's what I want to be. You see, you can be a witness without speaking a word just by the way you live. And so Paul was saying, you live a life that's full of love. You, you, you use Jesus as a pattern of your life. Paul says in Ephesians 4, I, the prisoner of the Lord, employ you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we're to call, follow the call that God has given to us. Now, I'm through with my sermon, except for, you know, lastly. <laughs> One of my favorite poems is not very, you know, it's, it's not uh, Nobel Prize winning. It's called The Perfect Church. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, whose preachers never has the blues. A church whose deacons always deek and none are proud and all are meek. Whose gossips never peddle lies or make complaints or criticize. A church where all are always sweet and kind and all to others false or blind. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still, 
we'll work and pray and plan to make our church the best we can. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Now look at verse 36. When Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And that's what I want to do with you today in our closing moments together is to kneel with you and pray. And I'm going to call for several people to come forward and join me. And I want to start with my wife, Linda. If you'd come, please. The Lord willing, this uh, coming June the 18th. Right, okay. <laughs> we will have been married or will be married for 51 years. And... Uh, we met at East Texas Baptist College, as you know, and uh, in spite of all that the pastor has said, she didn't chase me, I chased her, okay? <laughs> I, I admit that. But you know, honey, I, I couldn't search the whole world over and find anyone more faithful uh, for, to me, and you know, the Bible says that when Adam needed a companion that he made Eve who complimented him and and just, just fit right there together. And I couldn't have searched the world over to find anybody more uh, complimentary and more compatible than you. Your, your parents didn't raise you to be a preacher's daughter. In fact, your mother said when you went off to East Texas Baptist, I know he's going to marry a preacher. <laughs> and sure enough, you did. But uh, I love you. I thank God for you. Thank you for your patience and understanding uh, a poem. There's one person in our church who knows our pastor's life, who weeps and smiles and prays with him, and that's the pastor's wife. The crowd has seen him in his strength while bearing God's sharp sword as underneath God's banner folds he faced the devil's horde. But deep within her heart, she knows that scarce an hour before she helped him pray the glory down behind the closet door. She heard him groaning in his soul when bitter raged the strife as hand in hand she knelt with him for she's the pastor's wife. You tell your tales of preachers brave who marched across the world and changed the course of history by burning words they hurled. And I will tell you how back of each of these some woman lived her life who wept with him and smiled with him and she was the preacher's wife. Thank you, babe. Next in line, uh, I want to call the members that may still be here, and I know this may be a, a sudden thing for you, but if you were the, oh, that's yours, I'm sorry. <laughs> <First thing. laughs> it's, mine, it's mine now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the, the pastor search committee, the members who, uh, who called me here to the church, I know Gene and uh, uh, Milton and Charles, um, if y'all would come, please, I'd, I'd like for you to come and be here at the front, if you would, Gene, if, if you would, please. I know putting y'all on the spot. You don't have to say anything, just need you to come, okay? Uh, the original pastor search committee, Dr. George Thompson, the late Dr. Thompson was the, was the chairman, Charles Poole, Milton Moore, uh, Gene Rudisell, Bill Sylvester, John Sutton, Ruth Cooksey, Jewel Acreage, Don Prince, 
they made up uh, the membership of the original pastor search committee and uh, I'll always be grateful to all of you for uh, following the Lord's will and making it possible for me to come and, uh, and be the pastor here. And uh, then I know that uh, they've just been newly formed, but we, we have a committee that's responsible for looking for a new pastor, our new pastor search committee. And I'd like for you to come and join uh, us also for the, because you need to be prayed for. Jimmy Parton is the chairman, Mike Mayfield, Larry Staniland, Robert Goodrow, Mary Beth Carpenter, LaDonna Bradley, Greg Nichols, Marcy Davis. So we'd like for you to come also. Y'all have a tremendous responsibility. And again, I need to remind you, leave them alone. Don't be questioning them and asking them who they're going to see and where are they. They'll be giving periodical reports. But they need our prayers too. And so we just ask God's blessings on them. And then for our staff, I'd like for our staff to, uh, Bobby, if you would come, Brad, Andrew, David, Melanie, Jonathan, Joel, if y'all would come, please, and join us here at the front. I told you, again, many times, you asked, I asked when we got our, our debt paid off, if we could take the money and invest it in, in staff members uh, and ministries, and you have so generously and graciously allowed uh, me to do that. And, uh, you know, these guys, I love them, and they have supported me, and I cannot thank them enough and praise God enough for what they have meant uh, to me. Uh, they have been uh, an extension of my ministry. They have gone to places that I could not go to, talk to people that I could never talk to, and do things that I could never do. And I thank God for all of you, and especially for David, my son, to never visualize in a million years that I'd be able to serve uh, with him. And uh, that has been a wonderful, blessed experience for us as well. Uh, another group of people that we could not do without, and that's our secretaries. And so I'm going to ask our secretaries, even our former secretaries, if you have served me as uh, pastor, if you would come forward. Uh, President Wendell Raina, Hillis, Lynn, Barbara, Marilyn, and Stephanie. So if y'all would come, please, and make your way here as well. And then we've got some former secretaries that served. Uh, Mary Cunningham's here. Aren't you Mary somewhere? I thought I saw you. She was secretary here when I first came. Emily, you're here also, aren't you? Would you please come? I don't know if uh, Brenda Howard or Misty or Hope, any of those girls are here, but they served. Uh, where? Oh, and yeah, they, please come. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Beverly. I got your name, Beverly. I didn't... Uh, 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 Beverly uh, always, you know, they, they go over to that other church at Calvary. <laughs> she calls me her step pastor. <laughs> but thank you for coming. I, again, I, I'm having all of these people up here to know that, I, of course, the Lord, first and foremost, is the one who's enabled me to do what I do. But these people, all, all of these people, I owe a great debt to and, and love every one of them. Uh, and then uh, a few more, and I'll be through. Uh, all of our deacons, if you've ever served, if you're on the deacon body, uh, I need you to come. All of our deacons, I want you to come and line up here in the aisles, wherever you can find room. I know we're getting crowded, but that's okay. If you're a deacon, or if you've ever served in our church as a deacon, I'd like for you to come. And again, in addition to the staff that I've been privileged to work with, uh, I love our deacons. They have been so faithful, so understanding, so supportive. Loving me in spite of all of the things that I could or could not do, I will be forever grateful to you uh, for what you have done. 
Sunday school teachers, if you are a Sunday school teacher, if it gets too crowded here, if you just, but if you're a Sunday school teacher or a worker in Sunday school, I need you to come as well. Again, our Sunday school is important. Committee members, if you serve on a committee, you come please. And nursery workers, now I know our nursery workers, <laughs> they, they can't come, uh, but uh, you know, uh, when those, when those children in the nursery cry, there's not a dry seat in the place. <laughs> but we need, we, you know, we had, a, we had a choice to make to, that we could either build a new sanctuary or, or build a children's building. And uh, praise God we went with the decision to, to build a children's building uh, because they're the future of our church. And I'm so grateful to, to Melanie for her leadership as well as the staff. I mean, we all work together. I'm not trying to just single one out because all of these guys have, have been so, everything they've done is so important. But our children, uh, the future of our church and uh, those workers over there, those nursery workers and, and, and the people who work during the week, vacation Bible school, all of those things uh, mean a whole lot to, the, to this church and, and to our Lord's kingdom as well. I hope I've not overlooked anyone uh, uh, but if I have, please forgive me. And if you would come and join, you're, you're certainly welcome to. And I know that some of you where you're standing, it would not be possible for you uh, to kneel, but I want to kneel here. And if you are where you can kneel, then we will kneel together and pray. And then when I have finished, uh, you please go back to your seat because we will have uh, an invitation at the end of the service. So if you would, and if you can, can kneel with me and let's pray together. It's hard to know where to begin, Lord. With you, of course. Because we live and move and have our very being in you. And we are what we are today and where we are today because of your guidance and your faithfulness to us for the Spirit's leadership, for your blessings. To thank you for this dear church, for all of our people, for all who have served, worked hand in hand, heart in heart, to help people to come to know the saving power of your grace, to know Jesus personally, to thank you that we as a church can be a shining light in this community, and that we'll always be faithful in lifting up Jesus. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what this church is all about, is to put Jesus at the top and out in front. It's not us, it's him. And may we always be faithful in putting Jesus first in everything that we do as a church family and as individuals. I thank you for these dear people who make up the membership of our congregation. While they may be seated out there, that doesn't mean that they're not important. They are. We could not have church without them. We could not carry on the work of the Lord without their faithfulness to you. And I thank you and praise you for them. I ask your special blessings upon the pastor search committee as they have begun the task of finding that individual out there somewhere that you have prepared and are preparing to come and take up the torch and continue the work of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the light of the world with the people that we have responsibility to. So guide them and strengthen them and impress upon them every time that they look and listen 
to find that individual. May we be faithful. We pray for the interim pastor, Dr. Vaughn, as he will be coming the first Sunday in March to take up the reign temporarily and to continue to lead this church and to work with our staff and our people. May our people pray for him and uh, pray that uh, our people will continue to be faithful uh, during these days that, uh, that they have him as their interim leader and the staff as they work with him. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you for being with us every step of the way. We love you and praise you for it. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to the day when we can all be together in heaven and, and look back and say, yes, we, we saw your hand working. We saw you guiding and it was a miracle and all of the praise and the glory as we gather around as the people in Revelations 4 and 5 talk about laying our crowns at your feet and praising you for you and you alone are worthy. We love you, Jesus. And thank you for your faithfulness to us. In your wonderful and blessed name, I pray. Amen. Can you make it? That stepped on my skirt. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Okay. Now, as soon as uh, everyone gets back to their seat, we do want to have uh, an invitation. <laughs> And there may be someone, and I've asked the staff if you guys could stay, if you would, and, and help in case uh, someone is to respond. I'd appreciate it. Uh, Bobby, Brad, and, and uh, David, and Joel, and uh, Jonathan, all of you, Marilyn, Melanie, if you can. And uh, these, these individuals will be here at the front to receive you. If, if God is speaking to your heart today and, and you feel that you have never made public your profession of faith in Christ and you would come and, and make a commitment of yourself to the Lord Jesus, then certainly we would praise God for that. If you're looking for a church home, hopefully from what you've witnessed here today, you've never been with us, or maybe you have been, and you're looking for a church home, you think and believe that God's leading you to become a part of our church family, we want to welcome you as well. So Andre, where'd you go? But There you are, okay. Let's all stand, please. And guys, if y'all would be here to welcome anyone uh, as, as we sing, you come, please.